0: You know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. And that little girl is now running for vice president. Cool.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's
0: why. I got the feeling of something. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how i get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the
1: right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you
0: Here I am
1: Yes, I'm
2: stuck in the middle
0: from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The broadcast as heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ in Seattle on KODX Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed radio and detour talk, amongst others, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. And all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, Desi Doyen, it is usually Donald Trump who screws up our show at the last (laughs) second.
2: Yes, yes, that's true.
0: With some crazy announcement that forces us to completely reconfigure the entire show at the last minute. But today, for a pleasant change, I guess... It's Joe Biden, the uh, presumptive Democratic presidential nominee, announcing his selection of California U.S. Senator Kamala Harris as his 2020 running mate. Uh, We will get to that in a second with some quick thoughts from the great Heather Digby Parton as we try to raise her at the uh, last minute. We had threatened her a few weeks ago that (laughs) as soon as he makes his announcement, she should expect to come on this show.
2: And here she comes.
0: We'll see. Uh, But it also happens to be, by the way, primary election day. On Tuesday in Vermont, in Connecticut, where they are holding the final presidential primary of the season in Connecticut. I wonder who will win. Minnesota is also holding uh, state primaries where progressive Congresswoman Elon Omar, a member of the freshman squad in the U.S. House, is facing a tough primary challenge in her deep blue Minneapolis district. Also state primaries. Uh, In uh, in Wisconsin and a primary runoff day in Georgia, both Wisconsin and Georgia had chaotic primaries, you may recall, already earlier this year amid the coronavirus and in Georgia, uh, where it's a primary runoff, a Republican QAnon conspiracy theory candidate uh, who's made racist, anti-Semitic and Islamophobic statements. And, by the way, targeted Elon uh, Omar, a Muslim, over her religion, saying that members of Congress should not be allowed to be sworn in on the Quran. Uh, well, that woman, Marjorie Taylor Greene, is in a runoff in Georgia's very Republican 14th congressional district, where the winner on Tuesday is likely to go to uh, D.C. because it's so Republican there. And, of course, in Georgia, where all voters at the polls across the state are mandated by the Secretary of State to use the brand-new, $100 million, unverifiable, hackable, and already failed many times over new touchscreen voting systems made by uh, uh, Canada's Dominion voting systems, there are, once again... Problems with those uh, those voting systems being reported at some of the polls. I, I spoke to the woman who will be my second guest on today's program, joining us after Heather I spoke to her earlier by phone down in Georgia, asked if she's hearing about any problems at the polls today. Her answer, of course. It's Georgia and Election Day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, but we'll actually get a bit of good news from her shortly regarding a huge story that we damn near covered exclusively on this program a few months back after it was discovered that the new computer voting system in Georgia was not tabulating potentially thousands, tens of thousands of perfectly valid absentee hand marked paper ballot votes. Well, now we have learned why and what Georgia plans to do about it. Jean Dufort will join us shortly to discuss that. And if time, Desi Doyen, uh, you'll have a Green News report. Well, if let's time, see. We'll see <laughs> yeah. how that goes. That was too much today. Uh, but first, our new Top story today. Within the past hour, Joe Biden named California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate on Tuesday, making history by selecting the first black woman and first South Asian American woman to compete on a major party's presidential ticket, acknowledging the vital role black voters will play in his bid to defeat President Donald Trump. In choosing Harris, AP notes, Biden is embracing a former rival from the Democratic Party who is familiar with the unique rigor of a national campaign, having run against him earlier this year for the nomination. Born to a Jamaican father, and Indian mother, the 55-year-old first-term senator is one of the party's most prominent figures who quickly became a top contender for the number 2 spot after her own White House campaign ended. She was elected California's attorney general, first in 2010, the first woman and black person to hold the job, and focused on issues including the foreclosure crisis, for which she has come under some criticism from progressives for failing to prosecute then-banker, now-Trump's Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, For foreclosure fraud. On the other hand, she also declined to defend the state's Proposition 8, which had banned same sex marriage and was later overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. Harris launched her presidential campaign in early 2019 with the slogan Kamala Harris for the people, referencing her courtroom work. She was one of the highest profile contenders. In what was then a very crowded Democratic primary field, and she attracted some 20,000 people to her first campaign rally in Oakland before eventually fading in the race. One of her standout moments uh, during the presidential campaign came at the expense of Joe Biden. You heard a part of it at the top of the show During a debate, Harris said Biden made, quote, hurtful comments about his past work with segregationist senators, and slammed his position to busing as schools began to integrate way back in the 1970s. Yes, Joe Biden has been around that long. She said there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools, and she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Shaken by the attack at the time, Biden called her comments, quote, a mischaracterization of my position back in the 70s. Nonetheless, it was a devastating blow at the time. But Biden and Harris have since returned to a warm relationship. Well, apparently so. In a tweet, Biden called Harris a, quote, fearless fighter for the little guy and one of the country's finest public servants together with you. We're going to beat Trump, he said. Harris and Biden plan to deliver remarks on Wednesday near Biden's home in Wilmington, Delaware. Joining us now at the very last minute for her top line knee jerk hot take on the announcement (laughs) that Kamala Harris will be Biden's running mate is naturally the great Heather Digby Parton of the long running Hullabaloo blog and the award winning contributor salon.com oh heather thanks for joining us at the last minute today
3: a pleasure to be here brad
0: so as i said your top line knee-jerk hot take on kamala harris as veep today heather
1: (laughs) well i'll just say right up front i
3: think it's a terrific choice um i had been rooting for elizabeth warren
0: for Mm -hmm. president
3: and had thought she would make a great vp but uh harris was a close second Mm -hmm. um you know, we're from California here, so we kind of, you know, maybe know her a little bit better than, than some people. And she's a very skilled politician. And uh, I think that, you know, if you just want to look at some of the, the highlights of her career, one of them is what you just named. I mean, she really, you know, nailed Joe Biden. She, hard. Laid, she <laughs> uh, laid him out at she, that she debate. She laid him out. Yeah. And uh, she did it very skillfully, and she did it with. Uh, you know, she she's a a lawyer and mm-hmm. it obviously had been a good one and she, you know, really, you know, just went for the jugular on that and it stung. Um, and I think it says something nice about Biden, I think, that he is able to rise above that. I mean yeah. if you can't reach the age of what is how old is he? I don't want to talk about it but, but he's seventy
0: eight. He will be seventy eight he, when he's inaugurated right. if he's inaugurated if next year. If you can't reach
3: the age of seventy eight and learn to sort of let Something like that slide, unlike our current president, yes. who was just on t v today, going on and on how he couldn 't believe that Biden would choose someone who would have done that in a, in a debate, you know because for <laughs> trump yes. it's all about it 's all about petty revenge, no matter what so Biden shows that he 's a bigger man than that, and that that's a good thing and, and as for 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 Harris, even aside from that moment, I think for the national audience the the thing people know most about her was her ruthless questioning of Bill Barr. And in fact, I mm-hmm. think she's the only person who's really been able to put Barr back on his heels. And she did. And in fact, I think everybody, uh, you know, on social media is going to be <laughs> going to be tweeting or, you know, putting up on Facebook that exchange between, between Harris and Bill Barr. And so, you know, I think that kind of fighting spirit, the sort of toughness there that she exhibited, particularly for a woman candidate, I think that makes a difference. Um, that I I think that that's going to bode well for her. And it's obvious that she's already getting under the skin of of Trump, who, you know, called her mean and nasty already. Nasty
0: and disrespectful, Disrespectful, apparently.
3: Disrespectful, that bad little lady. She shouldn't have done that. She shouldn't (laughs) have said those mean things. Um, So I think that actually bodes well, because that, that, you know, Trump will expose himself as the, you know, racist, sexist that he is. Not that we don't all know that, but... That needs to be reinforced, and I think that she is tough enough and skilled enough as a politician to be able to take that and use those attacks that are going to come her way um, uh. to her advantage and in ways that really do defend all the people that she's, you know, now sort of, you know, is, uh, are encompassed mm-hmm. in, in who she is, from being a woman, uh, you know, an Asian American, a a black American, Uh, you know, she's married to a Jewish man, too, by the way. That didn't come up, but uh, that's part of the the whole portfolio. So, I think that, uh, you know, I think all in all, I think she she is good, and I have to tell you, if anybody had told me back a year ago that the ticket would be Mm Biden-Harris, I would have said, yeah, could be. (laughs) Well, (laughs) wouldn't surprise me.
0: You know, to be honest, I haven't heard a word you said since you said uh, Donald Trump exposed himself. (laughs) So, I've been sort of... I'm uh, somewhat... (laughs) Ha ha ha!
3: Uh, oh no! Plus, plus,
0: <laughs> I I think you're only supporting Harris because uh, you're hoping that Governor Gavin Newsom names Heather Digby Parton oh, as God, the no. uh, new U.S. Never. senator from California. <laughs>
1: Never in so, a
3: million no. years would I want that
0: job. Okay. Nothing. If you say so, but I'm starting the campaign tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, you actually you make a, 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 a several great points there. Uh, one, the idea I cannot imagine Donald Trump even considering. ...to select someone who had done something, even half of that, uh, to him ever. Yeah. So uh, it it does show that he is a better man than Trump just right there. Uh, And uh, despite the various concerns that I may have about uh, Kamala Harris, uh, that moment also showed that she is one hell of a fighter... And she has shown that, as you said, uh, as well, she's been among the best in these uh, various Senate hearings over the past uh, several years, Uh, among the best questioners. I think both of them bode well for her uh, campaign skills, in any event, in the the days ahead.
3: Oh, I think so, too. And, okay, let me just throw out this idea. I just had it. I have not thought it through. I
2: know. But, you know,
3: just between us and all the people who are listening, um, I think that it would be a great idea to have, I think they're going to need to have some kind of a commission after all of this is done, Mm. if Biden wins, in order to sort out this vast abuse of power and the ways that that the Trump administration sort of bastardized and abused the Constitution Mm -hmm. and all of these things. And I don't think the Department of Justice is going to do that, and I have very little faith that the Congress is going to be able to do that. So I think there needs to be like a church commission, some kind mm. of a, or maybe more like a nine eleven commission. I would even suggest that. Maybe they could even do it under the guise of the pandemic and the economic crisis. Put Kamala Harris in charge of that. Well, Let her I... be the accountabilities are. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, get her, get someone in charge at that high level to actually take that job of trying to sort out all this stuff, make recommendations on how this, the, these, these loopholes can be fixed so that no one can ever do this
0: again. One of the reasons that uh, I was uh, earlier interested in Warren for the job was uh, because I thought she would be just a great uh, pandemic Commission czar, you know, someone to find to actually take charge of this thing uh, on on all levels, from the uh, science and health level to the economic level. So I think Warren would have been uh, great in in that role. You mentioned uh, I had asked you via email in late July uh, something that I've been asking a lot of. uh, We opened up the phones uh, last week, I think, uh, to to callers about uh, who who you want as vice president and who you think or fear that Biden will choose. You said you wanted Warren. You said you thought he would name Harris. When we opened the phones on that, there was surprisingly no actual consensus about who people wanted, but there was a pretty good consensus that everybody (laughs) thought it was going to be Harris. Now, the question is, how will this sit with uh, progressives, which I consider you and me to be, Uh, But there are some, you know, really rabid, I don't know if that's a good word, uh, but some, you know, some some very forceful progressives out there who still think that, you know, Bernie was robbed uh, somehow this year and that uh, Kamala Harris is not nearly progressive enough to balance the, the ticket with the otherwise moderate Joe Biden.
3: Well, I think I think there will be people who will continue to believe that and will be, you know, continue to be unhappy. And I think that there are legitimate questions about her, her role as a prosecutor and her role as attorney general, both in terms of criminal justice and in terms of the foreclosure crisis, for instance. I mean, these are all legitimate concerns that progressives have had about Harris. She is not a doctrinaire you know, progressive, mm-hmm. along the lines of Bernie Sanders. That's absolutely true. So, or,
0: or Elizabeth Warren. Or Elizabeth people. Warren. Yeah. Now,
3: Although there were plenty of, of people who had issues with Elizabeth Warren as well, com- coming from the left. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, look, that's just... <laughs> I, I think if there's one year where we can expect that the Democratic Party is willing to put, and I mean all of them, including the left, will put aside their differences I- in terms of who they're going to vote for, And then as soon as Joe Biden becomes president, if he does, and Kamala Harris becomes vice president, we're going to fight tooth and nail for the things that we care about. And, you know, that's probably not going to be pretty in a lot of ways, but that's how Democrats do it. They're not going to fall in lockstep like the Republicans Mm -hmm. acting like a bunch of potted plants. Uh, to everything that Donald Trump did. I mean that's not the Democratic Party and nor should it be and I think progressives are gonna be fighting for what they believe in and all of that is actually the way it's supposed to work. You know, I mean this is and you know, what? hopefully it I know. Remember people that dis- when
0: people disagreeing but not <laughs> wanting to murder each other because exactly. they see things a little bit different. Uh I don't I don't the know sabotage what
3: sabotage of the country if uh, they can't get their way. I mean this this just isn't really yeah, I mean, I really think that that, that part of it is, you know, I, I people will be startled at first. They'll be going, oh, my God, you know, what are we doing here? And this is going to be kind of unrecognizable after the last four years. But I, I do believe that that's going to happen. And progressives are going to challenge Biden on a lot of these things. And it's going to be. You know, it's, it's going to be contentious, but that's how it's supposed to work in a democracy. It doesn't bother me at all. I think at the end of the day, you end up with much better policies if you do that. And, and I think you can actually build consensus that way. You know, we, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't, we're not supposed to be a dictatorship where you just have this cult leader at the top issuing incoherent orders and everybody just goes, well, okay, you know, follows him. I mean, that's, I, don't, I don't recognize that so i think it i think it's a good thing and i think it'll be fine and i think that harris is going to be a popular candidate in the end because you know she's like i said she's a skilled politician she's a very has a very appealing personality in many ways very you know kind of a Mm -hmm. joyous affect to her very upbeat Mm -hmm. and vibrant and i think that that's uh that's something that people are yearning for after watching the orange julius caesar and his ugly (laughs) temper tantrums for the last for the last four years so you know i think it's i think it's going to be fine all right
0: all right, uh Heather Digby Parton, we got to uh, unfortunately cut you short, but I suspect no, we will fine. be uh talking more about this as things move forward because I got another guest I have to get to. Heather Digby Parton, of course you can find her as ever at salon.com and digbysblog.net. You can and should find her on the twitters as well where she uh, tweets as digby56 we got a lot to talk about in the uh, weeks and months ahead, Heather, so we'll be calling you. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us at the last second.
3: My pleasure. Thanks for
0: having me. Talk soon. Okay, let's take a quick break. And, uh, of course, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not going to have much of a chance if we don't have a fair election, Desi, <laughs> in. Good point. So when it comes to fair elections, the first place I think of is Georgia. Quick break, and we're back uh, with uh, the Peach State, which is holding elections even as I speak. That's straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Georgia. 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 The whole, day through, the whole day through, the whole week through, the whole month through, the whole year through. Welcome back sweet song. to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We well, as noted at the top of the show before today's big breaking news, uh, Tuesday was primary and or primary runoff election day in five states, specifically Vermont, Connecticut, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and yes, Georgia. We will have any noteworthy results to report if they are available on our next broadcast, but in Georgia we've got a bit of news already today. Uh on Tuesday, primary runoff elections are being held as we go to air in 94 of the state's 159 counties. All of which are forced by the secretary of state to use a new, already failed, unverifiable, hackable touchscreen voting system at the polling places that election integrity advocates have long been fighting against and still are in federal court. Today, we've got several pieces of election related news out of the battleground state of Georgia, which many believe could be critical This November and finally flip from red to blue for the first time in the presidential election on November 3rd for the first time in many, many years. Today, then, we've got an update on a problem that was revealed following uh, the uh, Georgia's first statewide use of this controversial new uh, touchscreen voting and tabulation system made by the Canadian firm Dominion Voting. Now, the problem got very little coverage at the time other than some local reporting and a report from AP. But, of course, we covered it in some detail on this program regarding legitimate votes on absentee handmarked paper ballots that the computer tabulators, the Opscan tabulators, for some reason, did not count. Well, we will get to that with my guest in a moment because we now understand what caused the problem to occur. We also have some news today from the State Board of Elections, which met on Monday concerning some new processes for absentee vote-by-mail voting in the uh, general election. And because it's Georgia... Already some problem reports from the polls in Tuesday's ongoing runoffs, naturally. So let's start there. On uh, Monday, Bibb County, Georgia, election officer Thomas Gillen said he expected a smoother uh, voting process on Tuesday than for the June 9 primary election when consolidation of polling places during the pandemic And major problems with the state's new voting systems and electronic poll books resulted in hours-long lines for voters in largely Democratic-leaning portions of the state. Bibb County is a Democratic-leaning county. We were able to recruit more people so staffing issues won't be as much of an issue as it was, said Gillen. Exacerbating the problem before June's election, poll workers trained remotely through videos online because of the pandemic, which did not work out too well with the new voting machines, according to 13WMAZ, the uh, CBS affiliate there. Gillen said they now have 20 more poll workers this time around, but voters are still reporting issues on Tuesday at the runoff polling locations. Kara Garrett said she was at the Appling Middle polling location at 7.15 a.m. After she waited in line for 30 minutes, her card did not work in the machine, says WMAZ. The system that Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffens, Raffensberger forced on counties in Georgia requires a computer electronic poll book to check voters in and to create a voter access card for them. Then that computer access card must be put into the touchscreen voting computer, which, if all goes well, then finally prints out a, uh, a printed version of the voters ballot either correctly or incorrectly, who knows? Most voters don't bother or aren't able to check closely. And then that computer-printed paper ballot is run through... Another computer at the polling place, which optically scans it to tabulate precinct results. And those results are later combined at county headquarters by, yes, another computer to produce the final results for the county. But if any of those computers has a problem along the way, the entire system sort of melts down. That was the case at the Appling Middle polling location on Tuesday. Uh, Voter Kara Garrett reported that her voter access card did not work in the voting machine and that nearly 15 people when she was there all had the same problem. Garrett says poll workers told folks to try their cards on a different machine. Try it on all of the machines at the polling place. Well, most people continued to get an error message when they did. Several people left or filled out emergency paper ballots, she said. Voters said the location had around 10 different voting machines and none were reading the cards. Though later in the day, when visited by a journalist, apparently that problem had finally been resolved. How? We don't yet know. Did the same problem with the exact same machines occur elsewhere in the county or in the state? We don't yet know that either. As I always remind listeners, problems on Election Day often do not come to light until days or weeks later in many cases. So, yes, we will keep our eyes out for problems on Tuesday in Georgia and all of the other states that are voting on the same day as the primary season begins to wind down. Also in Georgia on Monday, the state board of elections met to uh, set some new procedures for the November 3rd general election. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Georgia voters will soon be able to go online to order absentee ballots for the November presidential election, according to a rule that the state election board approved on Monday. The board unanimously voted to create the absentee ballot application website, which is planned to go live by the end of this month. And not a moment too soon, I might add. Voting from home, uh, according to the AJC, became very popular in Georgia's June primary when nearly half of voters cast absentee ballots. The trend continued in advance of Tuesday's runoffs, with 60 percent of early voters submitting absentee ballots through Sunday. The online absentee ballot application process, this new process, may help avoid some of the problems that was seen during Georgia's primary in June, when some voters who mailed absentee ballot request forms never received their ballots through the website. Now, election officials uh, say they are less likely to overlook paper or email applications. Uh, Now, that sounds like that and in fact is good news. But because it's Georgia, well, there's always a big but. Secretary of State Brad Raffensberger encouraged absentee voting before the primary election by mailing absentee ballot applications to all of Georgia's 6.9 million active voters. That's good. Over 1.1 million people voted absentee in the primary. That part of the uh, program was arguably successful. Making it much easier for Georgia voters to vote, uh, to request to vote by mail. So, of course, the Republican Secretary of State is canceling that procedure for the general election. Citing the program's cost, Raffensberger has said he won't conduct a similar mass mailing of absentee ballot request forms for the general election, replacing that program now with the upcoming website. So, I guess if you're lucky enough to have online uh, access, maybe you'll be able to apply for an absentee ballot. If not, oh well. State election board member David Worley supported the website but said Raffensburger should still mail absentee ballot applications as well. He said, as long as we have the pandemic and the outbreak that is continuing in this state, we're going to face some very serious problems in November with conducting the election. The secretary was very correct, he said, in mailing out absentee ballot applications to every Georgian prior to the primary election. That will only become clearer as we get closer to the November general election, how necessary that is. But for now, Raffensperger ain't doing it. The website, however, will now be used to request an absentee ballot instead for, well, all the voters in Georgia. All the voters with easy online access in any event. The State Elections Board also approved a few other changes in Georgia in advance of the November 3rd general election. One of them relates to a story that we reported here on the broadcast, which was shockingly not picked up by many other outlets regarding perfectly legitimate, hand-marked, absentee paper ballot votes that were not counted by the tabulation computers. The problem was first discovered by election integrity advocate Jean Dufort, who was uh, one of the bipartisan county citizen panelists that reviewed votes that the counting computers could not discern if there was a legitimate vote on it or not. For example, a case where there was a possible overvote, where the voter may have filled in the oval for two different candidates, even though they were only allowed to vote for one. The group would then uh, look at those, uh, look at an image of those ballots and decide whether the voter in question, whether the vote in question was discernible as to the voters intent. So, for example, if the voter filled in one oval and then crossed it out, and filled in the other oval to indicate that he or she made a mistake when filling out the first bubble, well, the panelists would look at it and they would say, oh, yeah, clearly they meant to vote uh, for that second uh, candidate in that second oval. That first one was a mistake. It's crossed out. While reviewing those ballots with some of these questionable votes, Dufort and the other inspectors noticed perfectly clear votes on some of the ballots they were looking at that the computer had actually marked as having no vote at all, even though there was a clear mark in the oval for one of the candidates. But for some reason, the computer tabulator did not count that vote at all. Potentially thousands of votes across the state, since they all use the same voting and counting systems, Might have been lost. And county election officials challenged whether those votes that had to be examined by hand, all of the ballots would have had to be examined by hand to make sure that votes were not missed by the counting computers. County officials challenged whether any of them should be, any of these discovered lost votes should be counted in the final results at all. Why were those clear votes not counted by the optical scan computers as votes in the first place? They were accidentally discovered. And they wouldn't have been seen or known. They would have been lost entirely had it not been for uh, these citizen panelists looking at some of these ballots. Well, at the time, we did not know why the computers were not counting these votes. But we promised at the time we originally reported this to keep our eye on this problem, to figure out what the hell was going on. And now I'm happy to say I think we finally know what the hell was going on. And the good news is. The State Board of Elections has now made at least some provisions to try and keep it from happening again. Joining us now is uh, once again is the election integrity hellraiser from Georgia who helped discover the problem in the first place. Jean Dufort is an election integrity advocate and has been a plaintiff with the Coalition for Good Governance in several lawsuits in Georgia that have changed voting procedures in the state over the years, and uh, they are still working hard in court to do so, and we have one of those uh, provisions That uh, thankfully has now been changed due to her hard work and that of the Coalition for Good Governance. Jean Jean DuFord, welcome back to the broadcast.
1: Thanks, Brad. It's good to be with you.
0: So uh, first, I want to make sure: did I explain that clearly? uh, As far did I explain that problem uh, correctly? In any event, of what you guys discovered a a few months uh, back after the June election.
1: Absolutely, and, and what we know now that we didn't know um, at the point we discovered it mm-hmm. is it was it's all about software settings, and the new Dominion system came with some new settings that um, well, as, as Secretary of State Council Ryan Germany told the election board um, yesterday morning, uh, they literally didn't know about it and didn't <laughs> know what the effect would be. Um, which is very refreshing, because immediately after the discovery was revealed, uh, state personnel were doubling down, saying, oh, no, no, it's it's standard. It's standard, and it's even approved by the EAC. And, you know, smart folks all around the country uh-huh. dug into that and said, you know, no, not really. Why are you defending this? Let's find out about it. So, so, this so what happens is yeah. you scan a ballot, uh-huh. And then a software overlay goes in and interprets what kind of markings are in the area, in and around the oval, Mm -hmm. okay? And it assigns it a percentage of fill. So in our case, in Georgia, what we later found out was these Dominion factory settings Mm -hmm. said that if a ballot, if a vote was deemed to cover more than 35% of that area, Mm -hmm. that that invisible area actually the voter wouldn't know what that area is Well isn't
0: that the um, o- are we talking about the oval that you would fill in
1: It's it's the oval plus an area around it Okay So it's measuring the oval plus an area around it okay. based on some hash marks and things mm-hmm. Anyway so so if if if, if the per- threshold percentage hit 35% or above the system said yep that's a vote it counts If the threshold was between 12 and 35 percent it said "Mm, that's ambiguous i'm not sure something's there better get a human to look at it Mm. and if it fell below 12 percent it said i see that but it's not a vote so i'm going to label it unvoted and so I'm not even going to call it to the
0: attention of the human. So to, to make sure I understand this, basically, you've got the oval, you've got an area sort of right around the oval mm-hmm. on the paper ballot, uh, and that makes up X number of pixels uh, yep. when the computer scans it and digitally photographs it and makes a digital image. So let's say you've got uh, 100 pixels uh, for each of the oval and the area around it. There's a setting on the computer that says if there is less than X number of those pixels that are darkened, then that is not a vote.
1: That's right. And, That's right. And so if and, and, and you, yeah. Or if it's between X and Y, mm-hmm. uh, we're not certain. And one of the phenomena that happened in this election was that we humans had to look at between three and five percent of all the ballots mm-hmm. that were cast by hand in this last election, which is an inordinately high. It delayed tabulation in the larger counties, um, you know, for 10 days and up to two weeks, mm-hmm. it, because it was just an overwhelming burden of looking. Yeah. And we wondered about that, because typically in Georgia, it had been under one percent, in other counties and states that do lots of hand marks it's always under one percent. So one of the things we were wondering is, why was it so high? Well, now it turns out we know the settings were just set too high. And so they've ratcheted it back. They've made a radical proposal to change it. They're taking it all the way down to 20% because, as Ryan Germany told the state election board yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, we looked at it, we did some testing, and between 20 and 35%, everything we looked at was a good vote. So we're just going to lower that threshold. So, so for you- November... A lot fewer ballots will need human review, so that's sort of the one thing that's very good.
0: Well, that one one aspect of that uh, that I have a concern with is uh, even if it's below uh, what is it now uh, up to up to twenty percent, it will be uh, counted, or below twenty percent, it will not be counted. Is uh, that right? Above
1: twenty, oh, count. Okay. And now on the and that used to be above thirty-five. Okay. So big drop in that. But and then now and then they're reducing the bottom end uh-huh. to 10. So 10 to 20 will be the new ambiguous, I'm not sure, people take a look at it compared to 12 to 35. And so a, a narrow range and a lower range. And instead of 12% and below it getting automatically tossed out, now that's 10%. Now we think 10% is still too high. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be out there talking to them. This rule is out for 30 days of of public comment mm-hmm. and we're going to be out talking to them saying thank you for dropping 35 <laughs> down right. to 20 and thank you for dropping 12 to 10 but you really need to take it down to five which we have learned is what colorado uses and they've been doing handmarked paper ballots statewide for a very long time we think that's a good benchmark for georgia
0: and i think they also use i don't know if it's the same system but i think they use dominion uh tabulators optical scan systems as well in the state if i recall
1: i think but I'm not positive
0: about that point well so one of the problems that would occur here is for example if someone filled out there and again these are uh, hand marked paper ballots but they're filling them out at home so they don't have you know uh, somebody there saying oh be sure to fill in that oval oval fully they might have for example used a very thin pen and just put like a slash through one of the ovals or a check mark or a cross an older person it might
1: be a little wobbly it Mm -hmm. might not be exactly on target. But here's the crazy part, Brad. Yeah. It's not just about what the voter does. The, the color of the ink, the brand of the ink in your pen can change how the computer measures <laughs> it. The paper that the ballot is yeah. can change uh. how the computer measures it. So this is not a precise science. No. so We shouldn't be punishing voters or certainly tossing votes out. Because a comp- because technology is inadequate to the task.
0: Yeah, and this has always been my problem with optical scan, among others. But this is one of the big problems with optical scanners: is that people assume, oh, they're opt scan. It's been around for a long time. It's a technology that works. We don't have to worry about it. Well, we do because you could look at a ballot in this case where, uh, when you guys reviewed it on this panel, you can see, oh, there's a check mark through every candidate that this ballot wants, uh, that this uh, right. voter once but the computer reads none of it because it was too thin for the computer to see it. but it was a clear
1: you know what it's even worse than that yeah on a typical ballot we saw that same voter with that same pen with Mm -hmm. that same style of marking many got counted for sure Mm -hmm. some got flagged for review and some got discounted right so it's that random yeah right um but i don't want to you know, I don't want to toss the baby out with the bathwater, right? The, the, the scanning technology is a super useful tool to speed up processing. Computers count really well. Um, they can queue up the things that need to be reviewed much faster than humans sorting through stacks of paper. So as a tool to assist, it's fantastic. As a tool to throw away votes, mm-hmm. it's, not
0: acceptable. As a tool to throw away votes either accidentally or on purpose and right. unfortunately the only way you can know you know for example uh, you were lucky enough to see some of these votes that should have been votes but were not were, were marked as no vote by the computer only because you were reviewing some of the other votes that were marked as questionable by the computer but there could have That's been right. thousands of votes. How do you know did, were uh, after the June election did folks go back by hand through all of the other ballots to make sure that the ballots that you know you weren't shown also didn't have uh, votes on them
1: there's only one county in the state that I'm aware of that went back and and took a hard look and every other county either Chose not to look, or was blocked by it by legal advice. So there were likely okay. a
0: lot of votes in the June nine primary yep. in Georgia that were not counted at all. That's right. That's right. And even if they lower the threshold of what counts as a vote or not uh, this November, uh, are you confident that it is? I mean, are, are we going to be have a whole bunch of lost votes in this crucial battleground state of Georgia uh, in the presidential confident. election?
1: Brad, I'm confident, Brad, that if they take it down very low, below mm-hmm. 5%, maybe mm-hmm. 2%, that's going to kick all of those uh, lower weight values into human review. And I have confidence in the people to be able to look at that and make good decisions about, about the ballots. So, so I would say I'm happy that the top line came down to 20.
0: Mm-hmm. More votes
1: are going to be automatically counted. And I think we just need to work on that bottom threshold.
0: <laughs> Which is now at 10%
1: which is at 10, which is too
0: high. Now, is this uh, new setting being used in Tuesday's runoff elections in Georgia or only for November?
1: Only for November.
0: So we're going to lose a lot of votes in the runoff as well.
1: (laughs) We will, and runoffs are, you know, epic battles quite often. Yeah, they are. And it's going to be very interesting. if, If you were in a super close race and you knew that yesterday the state election board had admitted that the settings were bad, Yep and yet your race was subject to those settings, I think you'd have an interesting conversation with a
0: judge. (laughs) Yes, I certainly would, especially if that race was close. And also, frankly, I might have an interesting conversation with a judge just to know that there is a setting at all that could be changed without, you know, people actually knowing that. that, I mean, you can really uh, knock out a whole bunch of votes by just tweaking that uh, setting just a, a few percentage points.
1: Well, that is certainly our concern. Yep. It, and, and, and and up until yesterday, there were there was a lot of buzz about what might happen um, and talk between counties and the state. And uh, one of the original proposals was allowing counties to fix their own settings, and that was a recipe really? for just absolute disaster.
0: Oh man! Well, so we're we're,
1: we're kind of happy where it landed. Yeah. Um, we feel like um, you know I hate to call it a complete capitulation, but it was close to that. <laughs> um, and. Um, um, it, 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 it for one for one day, we can take some solace that that citizen action and a lot of noise uh, brought some sense.
0: To the project. All right. I will let you enjoy the day and then insist that you get back to work on this uh, moments later, Gene uh, Dufort. Very quickly before I let you go, this is just why uh, you guys are so crucial, by the way, at uh, CoalitionForGoodGovernance.org, uh, one of the few election integrity groups around the country that I have been uh, trying to push uh, for folks to support uh, for quite some time. But uh, have you I know that uh, Marilyn Marks, who the uh, co-founder of the group, is out and about on Tuesday uh, at the polls. Have you heard problems around the state? I mentioned uh, problems with the uh, touchscreen systems uh, being reported out of Bibb County. Have you been hearing of any similar or different problems on Tuesday across the state?
1: Yeah, Floyd County a Judge has said all their precincts are going to stay open two extra hours. They had all kinds of startup problems, and they've mm. got a very titanic uh, runoff of, for a Republican congressional seat uh, between a QAnon candidate yes. and a retired neurosurgeon. So that's that's going to be kind of an interesting thing up there. Um, more of the same nuisance problems throughout the large metro counties with um, you know missing ballot access cards and um password problems and uh, poll books that couldn't check people in and changing polling places not mm-hmm. nearly the problems of the june election because the turnout is so low mm-hmm. um but it's it's disturbing um that so many counties failed to um Um, You know, just fail to learn from June and get get more ready to be able to we, we would want a seamless election right this time. And we're not there yet.
0: No, we're not there yet. And I am quite trepidatious about what could happen in Georgia. Uh, in November, but I'm trepidatious about what could happen in all 50 states in November at this point. Uh, Gene Dufort, thank you so much for your important and good work and uh, for the update today. Uh, hope, hope, hopefully we'll continue to talk to you about it as, uh, as the uh, regulation is tweaked along with that setting. Uh, you can find Gene on the Twitters at Dufort, underscore Gene, And, of course, you can find the Coalition for Good Governance at coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. Gene, thank you. We'll talk to you soon, I suspect.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the shout-out.
0: You bet. Okay, Desi, looks like we made it. We have time yeah. for your Green News Report. Yay! That's coming up next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Uh, hey, Desi Doyen. Hey. Uh, repeat, well, repeating our top story, U.S. California U.S. Senator Kamala Harris has been named by Joe Biden to be his uh, selection for vice president. And Des, at the top of the show, everything was so hectic, I didn't even get the chance to ask <laughs> you, how, how, how are you feeling about uh, the, the selection of Kamala for Veep?
2: I am fine with that. My, uh, I'll be honest, my first choice was Elizabeth Warren, but that's okay. Um, Harris has a great environmental record. She's 91% environmental record with the League of Conservation Voters, so I'm very happy that she's been chosen, and uh, I think she'll make a great vice president. In fact, my real only question right now is, will Vice President Pence get permission to be alone on stage with a woman <laughs> for the vice presidential debate?
0: Yeah, there is that question, isn't there? Uh, <laughs> I'll I- have
2: more on the next DNR about her environmental record All right. we can expect I
0: will look forward to that you mean you haven't already gotten in into today's report <laughs> no I uh, I might have uh, uh, well I might have liked to have seen him pick uh, Susan Rice actually okay. I think that she would have been excellent. I know that she's uh, not necessarily the most progressive in the world but uh, given his age I would have liked to have had someone like her or Warren in place um, given his age somebody like Susan Rice or Elizabeth Warren, who really, really understands the way the federal government works. After all of these years of Donald Trump, it would be nice to have someone who really understands it. I think Joe Biden does. But if something happens to him, I don't know if uh, Kamala Harris, first term senator, actually uh, does know the federal government as well. Well, we shall see. Just my opinion. But who's asking? All right, let's get to it. Your latest Green News report. These are multiple story homes (laughs) reduced to nothing but rubble.
2: More fossil fuel disasters. Deadly natural gas explosion levels homes in Baltimore. The island nation of Mauritius is under a state of emergency. Fuel spill creates ecological disaster for Mauritius. Buckle up for a hyperactive hurricane season. July 2020 was the third hottest July ever recorded globally. Third
0: hottest? It must be getting cooler.
2: Plus, given temperature trends, researchers expected the ice shelf to collapse. Just not so soon. And then there were none. Canada's last intact ice shelf collapses. All
0: of those collapses and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis and snarky comment. He's
1: following the radical left agenda. He's against energy, our kind of energy.
0: Your kind of energy. Oh, you mean dirty, expensive, dangerous fossil fuels that blow up, make people sick and destroy the planet? Oh, maybe I'll vote for Joe Biden then. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I guess Donald Trump has a certain special kind of energy that is only for Republicans?
2: (laughs) Who knows what he's trying to talk
0: about? I have no idea, but apparently fossil fuels are blowing up all over the country and the world.
2: Yes, more tragic, avoidable fossil fuel destruction underway in Baltimore, Maryland. A major natural gas explosion on Monday leveled three Baltimore homes, killing two and seriously injuring six others and knocking out electricity immediately. a heat wave. The exact cause of this natural gas explosion is under investigation, but it occurred four years to the day after a similar natural gas explosion killed seven in nearby Silver Spring, Maryland. It appears similar to the deadly natural gas explosion in Massachusetts in 2018 that was caused by an overpressurized system.
0: Any solar panel explosions today? Nope. Any wind farm
2: disasters? Nope. Huh. Another fossil fuel disaster is unfolding for the Indian Ocean island nation of Mauritius. A cargo ship that ran aground two weeks ago has begun breaking apart. Mm. More than 1,000 tons of diesel fuel have already leaked from the ship, causing ecological damage to the pristine protected marine parks, beaches, and fishing grounds that form the backbone of the country's tourism-based economy and its food supply.
0: Oh, well, so much for that tourism-based economy, I guess.
2: The Mauritius government was slow to respond, and. Now, residents are creating homemade oil spill barriers out of sacks stuffed with leaves. Mm. Meanwhile, after a record start to the 2020 Atlantic hurricane season, NOAA has updated its forecast, warning of, quote, an extremely active season still to come. Of course. NOAA predicts as many as 25 total named storms, pushing named storms into the Greek alphabet, and that includes three to six major hurricanes fueled by unusually warm oceans. That's only happened once before in 2005, the year of Hurricane Katrina.
0: Well, 2020, I would expect no less, except for maybe a couple of Sharknados to go with it.
2: Landfalling U.S. hurricanes bring regional flooding and tornadoes deep inland and would do this on top of the coronavirus pandemic. CBS News meteorologist Jeff Berardelli warns that the bulk of hurricane season doesn't normally hit until September and October. We're
0: actually in... An inactive couple of week pattern right now. What that means for everyone watching right now is get ready because after that cyclical pattern is over and we get back into an active phase, they're going to come fast, they're going to come furious, and we need to be ready for that. We are at the ninth name storm already. Usually that does not happen until mid-October. Yeah. Yeah.
2: In other news, July 2020 was the third hottest July ever recorded globally. That's according to the European Union's climate monitoring service Copernicus. Only July 2019 and 2016 were warmer, and that means that the three hottest Julys all occurred within the last five years. NOAA and NASA are expected to announce similar findings in coming weeks. 2020 is forecast to be one of the top two hottest years ever recorded and has brought scorching heat records to both the Arctic and the Antarctic. Arctic, thanks to man made global warming. Thanks,
0: man made global warming.
2: And that has caused Canada's last fully intact ice shelf to collapse into the Arctic Ocean. Mm. Satellite imagery shows it took just 48 hours for the 4,000 year old Milne Ice Shelf to break up, losing more than 40% of its ice, an area bigger than the island of Manhattan. The fast collapse is a result of widespread Arctic warming, according to Carleton University ice scientist Derek Mueller in an interview with Global
0: News. Little changes in temperature year over year can unleash a very big response.
2: He said his team is lucky that coronavirus travel restrictions prevented them from being literally on that ice shelf when it broke apart.
0: You know, this climate change hoax is quite elaborate. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple, or Google Podcasts. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle, And this has been your Green News Report. some cool jazz with your global warming there. <laughs> Thank you very much Desi Doyan, uh-huh. our producer and of course my thanks today to our uh, my two guests, Jean Dufort of the coalitionforgoodgovernance.org and to Heather Digby-Parton of Salon.com. My thanks as ever to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. That, of course, is made possible by those of you who help us stay on your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate where you can make a donation of any amount you like including... Uh, set yourself up for an automated monthly donation to keep us on the air of any amount you like as well. It is all much needed and all greatly appreciated. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com, and on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the TheBradBlog. That is it. We are breaking away now. Until we see you tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.